Good day and good night and afternoon and whatever time you're watching worldwide, Influence Church in Anaheim Hills, California. I want you to know that we're living in prophetic times. Whenever you see and whenever you feel the pulse of a nation, of a world, that somehow seems different, seems to contradict, seems to confound, seems to bring confusion, the first question you want to ask, is God doing something in our land that's outside of the normal? Is God operating in a way that we need to take and pay attention to and ask the right questions? I want you to know that we're living in those days. These are unusual days, everyone would agree, from a world perspective. We're living in a time of a pandemic. And yet there's more to the story. All of us feel it, all of us wonder about it, and I want to begin to address some of these things today. I love to scan the news articles and the headlines around the world to see what people are saying, to see what's capturing the attention of media and of mankind. Let me give you this one today, and I'm going to show you a clip from this interview that was conducted just this week. The headline reads this, New Jersey governor declares the Bill of Rights above his pay grade. Now the reason that that caught my attention and the reason the interview was so interesting to me was because as an elected executive official of our government, he has sworn to uphold the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. And yet, on national TV, he said, it's above my pay grade. Now, I want you to take a moment and watch a clip from that interview with Tucker Carlson. Huh. So, um, you made that decision, and as I noted before, 15 congregants at a synagogue in New Jersey were arrested and charged for being in a synagogue together. Now, the Bill of Rights, as you well know, protects Americans' right enshrines their right to practice their religion as they see fit and to congregate together to assemble peacefully. By what authority did you nullify the Bill of Rights in issuing this order? How do you have the power yeah, to we do were, that? That's above my pay grade, Tucker. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. We went to all, first of all, we looked at the data well, and tell. the science, and it says pe people have to stay away from each other. Uh, that's the best thing we could do to break the back of the curve of this virus that leads to lower hospitalizations and ultimately fatalities. And, and I'm, not, I'm not contesting that, though. I think it's, I do, I, I do think there's a debate. This is a, a, rolling, a rolling conversation because we're learning new things every day and nothing is settled at this no, point. understood. But I do want, since you are, since you are a, an elected official, a leader in the government, an executive, how do you have the authority to order something that so clearly contravenes the Bill of Rights of the United States, the U.S. Constitution? Where do you get the authority to do that? Well, here's, here's the thing. We know we need to stay away from each other, number one. Number two, we do have broad authority within the state. And number three, we would never do that without coordinating, discussing, and, and hashing it out with the leaders, the, the, the variety of the leaders of the faiths in New Jersey. We have we are among, if not the most no, no, diverse state in America, I'm sure that you, you talk to every rabbi and priest, but, but there's a deeper question here. And I, I, I'm just going to ask you one last time because I think it's important. I'm sure you've thought about this. You can't just 
as the governor of a state, tell people who they can talk to when and where, because the Constitution of the United States, upon which all of this is based, prohibits you from doing that. So you clearly decided that you could do it. Did you consult an attorney about this? Did you, I mean, because there's a, this is a legal question as well as a, sure. as a medical one, isn't it? Well, as you can see, he was confounded by the question revolving around the Bill of Rights. And I want you to, to just back up with me. If you've ever read the book 1984, it was written in 1949. And it imagined a, a day into the future. For uh, the author, it was a day many, many years into the future. And for us, it's looking back on it. But two quotes caught my attention from the book that I looked at this week. Here's the first one. We know that no one ever seizes power with the intention of relinquishing it. And what I see in America today, and I see it really globally, is a relinquishment of power. Now, I'm not trying to dismiss or minimize what's going on from a health perspective around the world. It's a serious situation. It's a situation that, first of all, we want to say thank you to all, all of our healthcare workers who have, are on the front lines of this and are giving so much of their time and, and their life and, and really putting their life at risk for us. But I want you to step back for a moment and I want you to think about the bigger picture of what might be happening behind the scene. Another quote, until they became conscious, they will never rebel and until after they have rebelled, they cannot become conscious. And in the book, there is this moment in time where Winston, the character in the book, comes to a realization that, wait a minute, something's not right here. And he envisioned, by the way, in 1949, where we would have screens that we could look at, but also screens that would look back at us. Welcome to 2020. Well, we're talking about that day in Scripture, and we're going to drill into this today, but that day in Scripture is said to be a distinct day. Whenever you come to that phrase, in the Word of God, that day, you know that God is calling your attention to a few things. He's saying, first of all, it's a distinct day. It's not like every other day, and it's a day that has been marked out in advance by God to work the purposes of God. In the time frame of God, the way that God works is sometime is chronological and sometime is prophetic and specific. And so God takes those specific moments, those special moments, and he accomplishes something in those times that's going to serve the greater, bigger plan of God in the long run. It also happens that it is a radical change in perspective. We all know who lived through 9-11 that our perspective changed. We looked at life different. People looked at people different. We looked at our security from a different perspective. I believe this one today, this moment in time, is going to be more radical than that. Our perspective will change much more. We're going to see things through a different set of lenses, and we're going to be talking about some of those things that we can envision. We're going to be talking about that in the weeks ahead. But also, it requires new strategy. Whenever you find yourself in a new day, in a distinct day, in that day in Scripture, you have to say, what is my strategy moving forward? People say, I want to get back to normal. Well, I'm going to tell you that wasn't normal, and that will never come back. Just like after 9-11, we don't go back to where we were before. Our perspective changes, our strategy changes altogether. I, I, I contemplated this thought this week because uh, being a student of, of prophecy, uh, the return of Christ, 
the end time events, I, I began to ponder this, and the more I thought about it, I began to realize that that the great delusion has become, has begun. And we may not know, know what that is, but the scripture speaks of it in this way in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit, by word, or by letter. Now just stop and let's meditate on that for a moment and think about that a little bit. It tells us that we're not to be troubled by what's, what we see and what's happening. And of course there is a spirit of fear that is in our land today, and many of you are, are maybe falling back into fear and wondering what are you going to do and what's gonna be the outcome of this. And I want you to know that God did not give you that spirit of fear. That spirit of fear comes from the enemy. But God has given you a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. And you want to operate all the days of your life in those three areas. In love, in the power of the spirit, and of a sound mind. That is, all three of those are necessary. You don't want to dismiss any one of them. You want to operate in that all together. But you see, it goes on to say this in 2 Thessalonians uh, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11. God will send them a strong delusion that they might believe the lie. Now, whenever you study scripture and whenever you study prophecy, we talk about the day of God, we talk about the day of the Lord, we talk about the day of Christ, and remember that that's not specifically one dot on the chronology of God. In fact, when we talk about the last days, we know that that is a broad picture look at what God is doing, and they intensify as they get closer, uh, the, the events intensify as we get closer to the return of Christ. And so when we talk about the last days, Jesus said the last days are here, the last days are coming, the last days will culminate. So the return of Christ will culminate, obviously, with the second coming in that last day. But you see, all of a sudden we're seeing events. The Bible envisions there's a time coming when people are gonna be under such a great delusion that they will believe not a lie, but you notice it's the lie. What is the lie? It's the lie of the enemy who wants to take control of your heart, your mind, your soul, and everything else. It envisions a day into our future when a coming antichrist will bring the lie forth and people will buy into the lie. And so he says, don't let that happen to you, Watch out what you're doing and guard yourself against all of these things. Well, I see people under a great delusion. People are giving up freedoms. People are, are, are missing the point about what's really significant, what's important. But I want you to know these times God is drawing us back. Don't let these times be a negative for you. Say, you know what? We may be living in a time of delusion where people without the knowledge of Christ, without the knowledge of the word of God, when they're living out this lie in their life, but we don't have to be of the darkness, we are of the light. And so you pull yourself back and say, I am prophetically right where God wants me to be. I am safe in the arms of God as a follower of Jesus Christ. I have nothing to fear. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. Wherever you're watching this message, I want you to repeat this with me. I trust in the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. I give God my entire life. My future is entrusted to the God of the universe. Now, doesn't that feel good?
just to give yourself over to God. And you say, well, but what about this? Well, that's God's job. Whenever a problem, that's God's job. God said he would provide for you. Let him provide. You say, well, it's not easy. Well, if it was easy, you would be doing it. No, it has to be something that's difficult, so you call on him, and he is the one that is the guardian of your soul. He is the rescue of your future. He is the provider for everything you need in life. When you study scripture, you see how the prophets of God and the men and women of God, how they were always supplied the need in the moment that they needed it most. God always comes through. He always takes care of us. We don't have anything to fear when we trust in the Lord. But I really believe here, this other thought is the foundation of our nation has been shaken. When I record uh, the, the message here of the governor of New Jersey and others who are, who are dismissing the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, I know that the foundation has been shaken. Now, unlike what happened in 9-11, I think the foundation was strengthened. There was something that brought us together around this truth that we stand on as a nation. In the book of Psalms, it says this, 33, chapter 33, let all the earth fear the Lord. Now, this is a message that God sends out to the earth. Fear the Lord. What does that mean? That means to respect him, to honor him, to give him the glory due his name. And it says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. In other words, stand back and just take a moment and just be in awe of the God who created the heavens and the earth the God who loves you, the God who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, to rise from the dead, to give you life, to give you purpose, to give you meaning. And then it goes on to say he spoke and it was done. You know that when God speaks, it's done. He commands and it stands fast, the Bible says. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. It's interesting that we have an organization called the United Nations, and it's supposed to be one voice, and they come up with a perspective and an idea, and many times their ideas are great, and sometimes they're not so great, but isn't it interesting that God says, you can do your best thinking, you can do your best planning, but I want you to know all the counsel of the nations is brought to nothing, because you see, God is an all-wise God, an all-knowing God. God never wonders about anything. He's never sought counsel from anyone because he knows all things as well as he knows anything else. He is all-knowing and all-wise. It says he makes the plans of people of no effect. God says, make your plans. But I want you to know, if those plans aren't in alignment with my will and my counsel, they will become of no effect. The counsel of the Lord, what does it do? It stands forever. God said, this is my counsel. God says, my word is my counsel. You wanna know, what does God think about this? His word tells us what he thinks about every subject. You see, you say, well, what do I do? I, I look to the word of God. I say, God, what do you have to say on this matter? The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and it says the plans of his heart to all generations. So you see, God talks from this emotional perspective as well. This loving perspective. He says, my heart to all generations. Why the plans of my heart, they're for every generation. So God's looking at not just you, but he's looking at future generations. He's looking at your children and your children's children. And he's saying to them, I have a heart for your generations. I have a love for you. And I'm going to be there with you through all things. And then he says, blessed is the nation whose God 
is the Lord. Why, our nation was founded on the principle of God. It was founded on the word of God. And almost every constitution of every state in the early days of American history were, began with the word, in the name of God. There was, a, there was a foundation that was set. Our legal system was based on a foundation that there is absolute truth. That is, the word of God becomes our truth and the law. And unfortunately, that foundation has become shaken and, fra- and, and, and fragmented over time. But he says, if you want to know who's going to be blessed, blessed is the nation, it says, whose God is the Lord. And then it says, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. And so God says, I want you to know that I'm gonna bless a nation as a nation blesses me, as it walks in truth, as it walks in love, as it walks in all these things that I've laid out in the word of God, and blessed is that nation, and guess what? I have an inheritance for you. Why, America has been blessed unlike any other nation on planet Earth. Why is that? Well, we are seeking God on the foundation of this nation, and we need to go back to seeking God in all that we do. Here's another article that I read, and I just wanted to bring this attention as we talk about the foundation has been shaken. This was in the Atlantic magazine online. It said, red and blue agree that now is the time to violate the Constitution. People of both parties seem rather okay with undermining the core civil liberties in order to fight the pandemic. Now, you see, when I read that, I don't know how you interpret that. You might say, well, yeah, it makes sense because we're in a crisis. You see, the Constitution was made for crisis. It was set forth for crisis, not for when everything was well. It is how do we find our bearing when things aren't going well? What do we do when we don't have answers for the questions that we're asking? And for more than 200 years, it has stood the test of that time. And now all of a sudden, somehow, because we're living in uncertain days, now it's time to set it aside and let's go with our best guess for the moment. Ben Franklin said this, I have lived a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proof I see of this truth, that God governs the affairs of mankind. If a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it possible for an empire to rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings, except the Lord build a house, they that labor build it in vain. And so we understand that Ben Franklin, one of the the shapers of our nation, said, we have to understand that not even a bird can fall to the ground without his notice. What makes us think an empire, an empire as great as America, can rise without his aid? What would happen if everyone watching worldwide today, a message from some church, some place in some part of the world would say, you know what, I want my nation to be a nation that honors God. What would happen if the righteous would rise up and say, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gonna be true to his word. I want you to know that prophecy is being fulfilled in our day, right now in our day. And I could pull out dozens of fulfillments that are happening, but this one caught my attention. Again, another headline, and it goes like this. Dumped milk, smashed eggs, plowed vegetables, food waste of the pandemic, the New York Times. And what this story is about is about farmers who have so much extra food that they're literally plowing up the ground and they're bearing their produce because there's nowhere 
to disperse it. Look at this picture of, uh, that took place in the Midwest where one farmer just literally had to plow up all of the, of the onions and he had to bury them in the ground because there was no one to buy them. This could be repeated with all kinds of different vegetables that are happening today. And yet we go to our stores and there seems to be a shortage. Remember what I, how I began, that when you see contradictions, when things don't seem to make sense, ask yourself, what is going on? Now let me take you to the scripture that addresses this very issue. Joel chapter one, verse 15 through 17. Alas, the day. Now remember, it's not one day as we think of a day. It's this period of time where God is operating in the prophetic fulfillment of his word. I believe the prophetic clock began to tick in 1948 when Israel became a nation. And all of a sudden, everything from that point forward began to accelerate what God was doing, and it will culminate with the return of Christ himself. It says, alas, for the day. For the day of the Lord is what is at hand. What does that mean? It means it's close. The Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. And then look what it says. Is not the food cut off from before your eyes? Well, we're living in a day when we're literally having food cut off from before us. Whether you go into a grocery store and you can't find what you want and you, you, you somehow, the, that, that human nature of greed wants to get as much as you can in case you won't see it again. You know, Israel had that same problem. They were traveling through the wilderness during those 40 year period. And God said, I'm gonna provide manna for you, but just get what you need for the day. And then you come back the next day and I'll have what you need for the next day. And yet they became greedy and they began to try to hold and they didn't want to live by the bread that God would provide every day. And that's why Jesus addressed it, that, that in his prayer he said that, that man can only live by the daily bread. God, provide my daily bread. Why? Because it's the bread that comes from heaven, the heavenly bread that sustains us. Now listen to what else it says. Joy and gladness from the house of our God. Why we've closed churches all across our nation and all around the world. We've said, we're not going to assemble and we've taken the joy out of the house of God. And that fellowship that is so sweet when we're together. And yet the church is considered a non-essential entity in the world. And yet the liquor store is essential. The marijuana dispensary is essential. The abortion clinics are essential. How far have we fallen? when we don't understand what's happening. Yet Joel says there's gonna come a time when the food is cut off from our very eyes, when gladness from the house of our God, and it goes on to say, and the seed shrivels under the clods. Storehouses are in shambles, barns are broken down, for the grain has withered. Do you know that farmers all across our land are gonna go out of business? Their farms are gonna fall apart. Their barns are gonna collapse. The seeds they have in the ground, there's nowhere, there's no reason to harvest because there's no there's no one to buy the food right now and there's no way to get distribution on this we are living in prophetic times but i want you to know there's a there's a reason that we have these moments in time there's a reason that god has that day in history for us hosea chapter 6 and verse 1 says come let us return to the lord you might be a little far from the Lord right now you might not even know the lord but let me just tell you this if you will start in his direction he will welcome you with open arms. He will love you as a father loves his son. 
If you call upon his name, he will save you. He will redeem you. He will make all the promises of the word of God become true in your life. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Look what else it says. For he has torn. Oh, it feels like a tearing of the Lord, doesn't it? But it says he will heal us. You might feel torn, but I want you to know God is the healer. He has stricken. But guess what? He will bind us up. You might have a bruise. You might have be broken. You might be bleeding. You might feel forsaken, but it says that he's going to bind you up. He's going to bring about a restoration. And, and then look what else he says in Hosea 6.3. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the, of the Lord. Whenever you feel like you're broken and you turn to his healing, it says, return unto the Lord. Pursue the knowledge of, the God, of God. His going forth is as the morning. Every day you wake up and you see morning. He says, I'm there. Just as sure as the morning comes, I'm there. He will come to us like rain. Oh, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. You see, the Bible says that, that there's an early rain that comes and God pours out his spirit. But God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit in the latter days. I'm going to pour out my spirit in a way that's going to confound you and confront you in such a marvelous way that I'm going to bring a revival to our land. Can't you feel God stirring? Can't, don't you know that God is doing something in our land? People who are far from God have said this to me. People that are close to God have said this to me. There's something God is doing. God is measuring the heart. He's calling you to Him right now. I want you to know God is building an army. God is recruiting warriors even as I speak. He's looking for the faithful. He's looking for the servants. He's looking for volunteers because there's a massive global movement coming to planet Earth. And I want you to know, I believe revival is closer than we all think it is. I want you to know it's going to be a pure revival. It's going to be a true revival. It will be powerful and glorious. It's going to take away all that we thought before, and he's going to bring in new wine into a nation, into a people who have a heart for Almighty God. Some are falling away from their faith during this time. They say, where is God in this? That's not, don't be alarmed by that. That has always been true. But I want you to know those who have light, they will shine brighter and brighter as the darkness becomes deeper and deeper. And the true followers of the Lord, they will usher in the kingdom of the Lord. Be encouraged. God is moving in our day. Be strong. He is your God. Is he your God? If he's not your God right now, would you make him your God? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you're coming back. I believe, Lord Jesus, that you want to save me right now in this moment. Would you just call upon his name? The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord, here's the promise, will be saved. If you've called on his name, would you thank him right now? Would you thank him? Would you just, you may be watching on Facebook or on our web or on our app or on YouTube, one of those places. Would you just go into the comment section and say, today I received the Lord. Today I gave my heart to Christ. Today I became a follower of the kingdom. You say, well, I, pastor, I'm already a Christian. Well, then would you go in there and say, you know what? I renewed my faith today. I reestablished my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today because of this day, this message, the time that I'm living in, and I want to live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. 